Anyway, we're going to look at two verses this evening that are actually found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And we're going to read them together this evening. They're found in Matthew chapter 7. And they're found in the middle of that chapter in verses 13 and 14. That's Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. And they'll be very familiar verses to you. And in fact, in homes and days gone by, you would have seen very often a painting that would have been on the wall depicting these verses. Matthew 7 and verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Two short verses, but painting a very vivid scene for us. Let's just ask for God's help as we come to consider his word. Lord God, Your word is serious this evening and is there for us to heed. Lord God, you give direction regarding our lives in this world. And Lord God, you point us in the right direction for eternity. But the question is, will man heed what is written here? Will women and young people pay heed to the word of God? Lord God, help us as we just think about the simplicity of this picture before us. Help us to just consider the choices that we have made and the choices that are before us. Father, we pray for those in this service and those outside of this service who still need to choose Christ. We pray to God that you will guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say probably all of us in church this evening, somewhere along the line in recent years, have heard the very familiar term postmodern. Not a term that was used, I would say, 10 or 20 years ago. But it's, it's the term that is probably most used now to describe this world that we live in. We live in a postmodern world. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, there are a few hallmarks that really distinguish what a postmodern world is like. And one of the first hallmarks is that everyone has a non judgmental attitudes. We never really should be forcing anyone to make a choice. There's no one way that is better than another way. It's just your, your way or, or my way, whatever we choose to do. And every way and every choice that it confronts us, each of those choices is valid, and we should accept them as valid choices. 
But does that world of never making a choice really exist? Is that what scripture would paint for us? And what we discover right away just in these two verses in Matthew 7 is this, that there is, there are rather absolute choices that we need to make. And, and God requires of us that we make choices and that we consider the way that we're on and we consider the destination that we will end up at. It is a comfortable notion to have this idea of all religions merging into some sort of common spirituality. It's a comfortable way to be. Nobody need feel awkward because whatever your viewpoint, we're all going in the one direction and somehow we'll all end up at the same destination, at the same place. And that's comfortable. But Jesus cuts right across that comfortable notion. There are two ways and there are two gates and there are two destinations. And really that's all that I want to draw out of this, these two verses this evening. The fact of the two ways, the two gates, and the two unmistakable destinations. What are those ways? How do we get on to those ways? Where are we heading to? As I said this morning, it's 14 years since uh, I had a pastoral charge in a local church. But I was pastor of two churches for 15 years before that. And uh, one of my charges was in County Tyrone. And I discovered that all around County Tyrone and Gorchen there are little tiny country roads. Roads with grass growing up the middle of them. Roads that if you take your new car up, you become increasingly alarmed as to what way the suspension will be when you get back down. And I actually thought that County Tyrone maybe had the, uh, the, the, the heads up for country roads until I went to County Antrim and I started to drive up the little roads around Glenau and I discovered that when you got on those little roads there was little chance of anybody passing. There were only certain places that you could pass on. So if your reversing wasn't good, don't go up those roads. Those little country roads, they're very, very different, aren't they, to the M6 motorway that'll run down through uh, England. And uh, DV in this incoming week, we'll maybe be hitting the M6 motorway uh, at some stage at the end of the week. Or you have the interstate highways in America. I haven't driven myself on those highways. Uh, I haven't been on them so very often. But like they're night and day between the country tracks and roads of County Tyrone and County Antrim. Uh, they're a whole different story. And these two ways that the Bible speaks about in these verses speaks about the... Broadway, and it speaks about the narrow way. And these two ways are equally as different. They are utterly different one 
from the other. This message of two ways isn't simply a message that Jesus brings that is introduced to us for the first time in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. This teaching is already there in the Old Testament and if we consider the book of Psalms we discover the same idea of two ways. Psalm 1, the psalmist speaks of the way of the righteous and he speaks of the way of the wicked. Two completely different paths, just as the broad way and the narrow way are utterly different. And leading to, com- to two completely different destinations. One of the ways that Jesus talks about most versions of the Bible refer to it as the broad way. Because the original meaning of the word is broad or spacious or roomy. But one version, the Revised Standard Version, calls the broad way by another name. It calls it the easy way. And I think we can see how that kind of fits in as well. The broad way or the easy way. You see... It is a route that's easy to follow because we sit ourselves on it. Nobody contradicts us on it. This easy route is the route that most people in the postmodern world have chosen to follow. They don't want to be told anything about their lifestyle. They don't want to be told anything about any restrictions being placed upon them. And so they want the easiest possible route. And the way of the broad road is a way where we please ourselves. And that's what people want to do. If you look around you this evening, if if you went up to the north coast even in our country and and drove through the town of Portrush, you'd probably find a lot of people there who simply want to please themselves. Who simply want to do things in their own way, in their own time. And of course, what we're told is that if something feels good, then that's what we should do it. We shouldn't hold back from doing it if it feels good to us. And of course, we must be tolerant, that's what we're told. We must be permissive towards others. We shouldn't question what they believe. We shouldn't question their morals. We shouldn't question their alternative lifestyle. That's possibly how they would describe it, as an alternative set of morals or an alternative lifestyle. Every way is considered as valid and our personal choices are personal. They're up to us. You can't tell me that my choice is wrong and I can't tell you that your choice is wrong because what we're told is that although what you're doing may be wrong for me it could be right for you and in fact what I'm doing whilst it might be right for me could be utterly wrong for you that's the easy way the broad way the other way which is referred to here as the narrow way. And the RSV, the Revised Standard Version again, 
uses the word the hard way. And it is a hard way to find, not quite so comfortable as the first way. You see, on this second way, on this second road, we can't just live as we please. We dare not simply live as we please because there are consequences on this road for the choices that we make. Choosing whatever morals best suit us is not something that is advisable because here on this bro- in this narrow road we realize that our choices are choices for eternity. They are choices that go beyond this world, that go beyond this time and go on into another world. In fact, this way, this narrow way, is in totality preparation before the expanse of eternity, that time without end. And as pilgrims on this way, as Christian pilgrims, we walk within the confines of God's word. We we walk within the confines of what God has commanded We walk within the confines of what God has laid down, what he has revealed in his word to us to be wholesome, to be right, to be helpful, to lead to him. And people on the broad road, they scoff at the Christian pilgrim on the narrow road because they believe that the restrictions, the restrictions of God's word, they're something that are intolerable, being told how to live, being told what to do. Christians must be a miserable bunch of people if they have all of these laws and commands, a whole list of don't do laid out for them. And yet you and I know this evening that nothing could be further from the truth. As believers this evening, We should be the most joyful people because we have a God who cares for us and directs our footsteps. We this evening, by following God's commands, are the most free people imaginable. You see, those who are on the broad road, they don't have the freedom to make their own choices. They're directed by the sinful nature. Satan and sin hold sway over them. They find it impossible to say no. They find it impossible to turn away. You see, in walking with God, we're set free. We're set free from that self-destructive part of us that lies within, that old sinful nature that seeks to control When we walk with God, when we walk in his ways, when we choose him, we find a freedom to live as God wants us to live. We discover what it is to have the power of Almighty God unleashed in our lives, at work in our lives, bringing us joy and hope and faith every single day of our lives. And so it's important this evening that we ask ourselves the question, What road am I on this evening? Are you on the road that many imagine to be the easy and popular road? 
doesn't seem to be making any demands of you, doesn't seem to be asking anything of you that is too difficult. And on this road, whatever you choose is the thing that is important. No one can question you. But I would encourage you to look at yourself. I would encourage you to look at others on this road and to ask yourself, is there no price to be paid? Are these people free? Are they really enjoying life? Do they have hope? Do they have something that they can hold on to with confidence? We're actually dealing with more mental illness in our society than we have ever dealt with. People who are struggling, people who are uncertain, people who are without hope and they're on this road. And actually there's been a high price that has been placed upon them. They're not free. They're addicted to many things. And the old sinful nature is the thing that holds them within its sway. Walking with God, we're freed from our self-destructive self. Walking with God, we have his power within. So today, take note of the two roads. Take note of the two very different destinations. Be careful about the road that you choose to walk along. And then there are two gates, aren't there, in this, these two verses also. And these two gates bring home the necessity for choice. Which of the gates we choose will determine which road we're on. And which of the roads we choose will determine the des- destination we arrive at. In our family, many stories are told about myself. I found that the only way to have any sort of uh, power over these stories is to tell them myself. And one of the stories that is told, which everyone in the family finds amusing about myself, but I resist to find it amusing, it was a story that goes back to year 10 in Regent House Grammar School, Newton Ards. And we had a great event that happened in year 10, or third year as it was then. We were allowed to choose our activity for the double games period on a Wednesday. And uh, you would know by looking at me that I would be thinking about what would be the route of conserving most energy. And so I thought carefully about it and I thought badminton, badminton maybe or definitely table tennis. Both of those seemed like reasonable options to me. And so I very carefully chose the line that I joined when we were making our choice for our double games period. Well, you can imagine the great horror that I discovered when I arrived at the top of that line. And what did I discover? I discovered I was in the wrong line. And actually, I was signed up to do cross-country running all across Newton Ards on a Wednesday afternoon. Nothing worse could I think of. I learned lots of shortcuts across Newton Ards. If ever you're called upon to do any cross-country running in Newton Ards, speak to me. 
Some of those routes go across the Newtonards airfield. They're maybe not considered legal or proper or any other word you would want to put on them, but I use them. The serious point, of course, is this. Being in the right line, going through the right gate is absolutely crucial. And the two gates that we have here in Matthew chapter 7 mirror the two ways. Just as the way is broad, so the gate that leads to this way is wide. And just as the way is narrow, so the gate that leads to the narrow way is straight or is small. We've seen just how accommodating the broad road can be. And now we realise that it has a very accommodating point of entry. Because we can be on the broad road and there's no need to set anything down. We can be on the broad road and we don't have to set any pleasure or desire that we may have aside. We can take with us on this broad road and through the wide gate all of our sin. Nobody's going to judge us or question us about our weaknesses. We can take with us on this broad road and through this wide gate our self-righteousness. And for some reason our self-righteousness means so much to us. To God it is filthy rags. To us it means so much. We can take with us our pride, every piece of baggage that we wish. We can pass through the wide gate and nobody will ask any questions of us. But on the other hand, the small gate or the, the straight gate which leads to the narrow way, that's so different, isn't it? Before we enter through that small gate or that straight gate, we're required to turn away from our sin. We're called upon to leave behind every part of the old nature, of the old life, of the sinful life. We're called upon to set aside our self-righteousness as we heard this morning around the table. We're called upon to come with empty hands to Christ, recognising that we have nothing to bring. Nothing of our old nature can be used as a bargaining tool with God to stand right before him. Men and women would say, surely this couldn't be what Jesus requires of us. And yet it is what Jesus requires of us. This is what we read in these verses, that it is a narrow way. It's not easy to find. If you like, it's the hard way that we're called upon if we want to come to God. And if we think about it, our Creator has the right to ask these things of us. He's made us, He knows us, He desires to commune with us, to have us with Him in eternity. He knows the things that are destroying our lives, He knows the things that are burdening us down. And in fact, in 
Really, all of the four Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That idea of denying ourselves is not one that we're very keen on in this day and age. But if we're going to be on the narrow way, we're going to walk with Christ. If we're going to stand right before God at the end of this life, then we need to come with empty hands and to hold onto him, to take up our cross, to accept him as our saviour. And who or what is this gate? Where is this straight gate, this small gate to be found? Well, John has the answer, doesn't he? John tells us in chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. Or if you like, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door through whom we must come. We don't have many choices, all leading the same direction, or some sort of common spirituality. The Bible is quite clear. Jesus is quite exclusive. We're going to come to the Father. We must come through Jesus Christ, his Son, who was the sacrifice for our sins. We need to come in faith, believing in him, that he can make us ready for heaven. And so it's very important, it's crucial this evening, that we answer the second question. Have you entered the narrow way through Jesus There's no other way onto this road. You need to come to him. No one can enter on your behalf. It involves a leaving behind. It involves a starting afresh. That's why John calls it a new birth. speaks about being born again. And sometimes you hear the term bandied about in the world about born again Christians. Well, Yeah, that's true. That's a biblical term to use. We are born-again Christians. Paul speaks of the Christian as a new creature. Therefore, any man who is found in Christ is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's the reality. You need to come through Jesus Christ. You need to have this new birth. You need to be washed by his blood if you're going to be ready to be in that place in heaven with God in eternity. And you can enter this path today. You can enter this road today. The gate is still open. The door is still open. And the Savior waits to welcome you. Two ways, two gates, two destinations seems like the most common sense thing in the world to say that where you end up depends on the road that you've been on. I'm confessing a few of my motoring experiences tonight. Do you know whether you've ever had that horrible experience or that sinking feeling when it dawns on you, I'm on the right motorway, but I'm on the wrong side of the motorway. In such circumstances, it's a very sinking feeling that kind of takes over. Do you realise I'm going to have to go X amount of miles in the wrong direction 
to get onto the right direction. Sounds right to begin with to say, yes, I'm on the M1 motorway or the M2 motorway or the M6 motorway, but it matters whether you're on the northbound or the southbound carriageway because that will affect where you will end up at. And Jesus is very categorical about the destination of these two roads just as he is categorical that there are two roads and there are two ways to enter these roads. He tells us very simply of the destination. The broad road, he states, will lead to destruction. And interestingly, here in these verses, he doesn't elaborate on what that point means to end up at the point of destruction. I'm quite sure we couldn't take it in if he were to describe for us in complete detail what the place of destruction is like. Suffice to say this evening of the place of destruction that there is a place where God is not. There is a place this evening where the love of God is not. His goodness is not. His grace is not. His mercy is not. All of these things have been removed from it. There is this evening a place in which all love and loveliness, all beauty and truth, all joy and peace and hope will be destroyed forever. That's the place of destruction. It's an awful prospect when we stop to think of a place like that. It's even more awful when we stop and we realise that many that we know, many from our own families and our neighbours and our friends and our colleagues are on that same way, which is heading to the place of destruction. Could be a place that you are choosing today. It's certainly a place that many are choosing today. But what a contrast there is then in verse 14. There's the narrow way and the narrow way will lead to life. To be precise, the narrow way will lead to eternal life. And those who make the choice to enter by the small gate can enjoy fellowship with God, their creator, right here and now, but for all eternity. In fact, what we have as believers now, the word of God to guide us, the spirit of God within, the peace of God keeping our hearts and minds, that's only a small part of the inheritance of what lies ahead of us. You see, there's a time coming when we're going to see the Lord Jesus face to face. We're going to be with him. We're going to be changed to be like him. We will actually tangibly share in his glory. We will find absolute fulfillment in service of him in that place, in that home that he's gone to prepare for us, the home that the Bible calls heaven. And I believe this evening, if I was to go round everyone in this meeting, 
If I was to go out even into the estates and the houses of Grange and around about and to ask people, where would you like to end up? I'm quite sure that there isn't anyone who would say to me, I'd like to end up in the place of destruction. And yet many are on that road. Some are trying to walk an imaginary middle way. You see, they don't want to be extremists. They won't, don't want to be thought of as some sort of religious fanatic who talks about being born again and having new life within and the Spirit of God dwelling within them. So they try to sit on the fence. But Jesus doesn't allow us to escape the necessity of choice. According to the teaching of Jesus set out for us very clearly and to the first disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus tells us that there are only two ways, the hard way and the easy way. There's no middle way. And they're entered by two gates, the broad gate and the narrow or the straight gate. There's no other gate. And they end in two destinations, destruction and life. There's no third alternative. So it's important this evening, what choice will you make? Whether you're young or you're old, whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're rich or you're poor, there's no more important choice that you can make. No more urgent choice that you need to make. One day the road on which you travel will reach its ultimate destination and the opportunity at that point to change the course that you're on will be too late. The opportunity to turn to Christ will be gone and yet you have the opportunity today. The choice is yours but you must take it. You must make it. Again, no one can do it for you. Today, will you choose life or will you choose destruction? The choice is actually just as stark as that. Will you choose life? Will you choose Christ, what he has done for you on Calvary? Or will you choose your own destruction? Choose what is right this evening. Not just what is right in your own eyes, but what is right in God's eyes. What is right according to God's word. Remember, he wants to give you the very best of everything. And he knows what is the very best. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, this evening, there's a solemnity in these verses, in this in in this choice that must be made. Lord God, many are heading through life and they fail to even consider the possibility that there is something beyond them, someone beyond them, that there is an eternity that they must prepare for. Oh Lord God, I just pray that you will allow those who are making their way through this world without you to see the emptiness and the 
sometimes the futility of the path that they're on. Help them to seek you, to find you, to find the truth of your salvation, the joy of sins forgiven, the wonderful reality of shame that is removed, of guilt that is alleviated and washed away. Oh God, pray that many this evening may make the choice to come to Christ, that they may share in your heaven and that they may know your eternal life. Bless us this evening. Help us, Lord, as we live out our lives to show to others that it is a wonderful life that we have as believers, that to walk the narrow way is indeed a joy, to be protected by you, and the direction we receive from your word is something that we rejoice in. Pray that we will share you with other people that we meet. In Christ's name, amen.